a radio show that confesses Christ without confusing the law and the gospel. A radio show that takes Scripture seriously without taking ourselves so seriously. You're listening to Table Talk Radio. Have you completely dedicated every part of yourself to me? And I said, well, what's the answer? And she says, that's the trouble. The answer is always no. I said, well, let's ask the question a different way. Has Jesus given everything for you? Has he dedicated his whole life to you? Has he invited you into his heart? And the answer to that is a glorious and gracious and conscious, freeing, comforting yes. Uh, only then we, we hear the gospel, that Jesus Christ came to earth, uh, was born of a Virgin Mary, lived a perfect life uh, in our place, and died the death that we deserved, took on the full wrath of God. All that was done for us so that we could be called righteous and holy in the eyes of God. That's not going to help with the who wants to date a seminary and hotline right there. <laughs> Welcome to Table Talk Radio. I'm Evan Gigline and here with Pastor Brian Wolfmuller, pastor of Hope Lutheran Church in Aurora, Colorado. Hello, Evan. Well, I think we have an excellent show in store for you today. Uh, a little bit later, we're going to be joined by Vicar Brian Bucklew. We're going to be doing some praise song crunching. Everyone's favorite game, praise oh, song cruncher. Oh, yes. And then we're talking about an article he wrote on baptism, uh, nice. Baptism Works of Forgiveness of Sins. And that it does. Um, but first, got to do some buzzwords. Yeah. Buzzwords. Okay. Uh, the buzzword I have for you, Pastor, and I, I bet you're not going to get it until the very end. Um, <laughs> antinomian. Antinomian. Good luck. All right. Don't you want to tell everyone what it is? Oh, yeah. <laughs> do we do that now? Oh, okay. <laughs> antinomian uh, means against the law or no law. And so someone who then is antinomian would be uh, think that the law has no effect. So uh, that uh, I'm, I'm no longer bound by the moral law whatsoever, so I can go do whatever I want because Christ died for sins, and so I can do whatever I want, no problem. Yeah. Uh, the the old-fashioned antinomians would, would say that repentance is a result not of preaching the law, to Christians anyways, but preaching the gospel. And so in its original form, antinomianism functioned to... Uh, turn the gospel into the law, which is pretty bad. Uh, but then you have this kind of pop antinomianism. What you mentioned is that, ah, uh, who needs to pay attention to what we do every day, how we live? Uh, it's all forgiven. So that kind of antinomianism turns the gospel, which is the forgiveness of sins, into an excuse for sins, which is no gospel at all. So the problem with antinomianism is it undoes the gospel. kind of ends up being law again, doesn't it? Yep. That's exactly right. You cannot, the, the gospel is the forgiveness of sins, and so you can't have the gospel unless you have sins to forgive. And the way you know you have sins to be forgiven is the law. So the two go together. Uh, my buzzword for you is crucifixion. This is the uh, form of execution, capital punishment, by nailing someone to a cross. And it was then the form uh, of death that our Lord suffered for us. Uh, it was a it was particularly brutal form of death. Uh, slow and grueling, and it was a great humiliation. You would stand there in public with, uh, you'd be naked, hung naked. Uh, your crime would be posted over you, and it was it was normally an agonizingly long death. It would take days to die, um, but in the case of our Lord Jesus, it took just under six hours. So, Good. There you go. Crucifixion. Okay, crucifixion. Let's see if I can get it. 
uh, before we get things in full swing on Table Talk Ready, we have some emails to wade through, I think. Oh, some great emails today. Okay, well, the first one I have for you is from Sarah in Duluth, Minnesota. She says that she recently discovered Table Talk Radio on listening to piratechristianradio.com, but now listens on podcasts. She says that she uh, enjoys the show, although it's one of the only shows on PCR that she can listen to while working on organic chemistry. <laughs> I, I really love that. I think it's great. <laughs> Which I, I think we could turn into a liner. Yeah, she says, I guess you're just less cerebral than those other shows. And we're proud of that, Sarah. We, we take that with honor. We really do. <laughs> you could listen to, uh, to Table Talk Radio and do organic chemistry homework at the same time. It makes me proud. <laughs> okay. I, have a, I have an email from Nancy. Uh, where is Nancy from? Uh, Oklahoma, I believe, somewhere. Yes. Uh, and she sent – this is a great email, too. She sent it. Um, uh, sent pictures of her youth group, her and her husband, uh, her husband's pastor, uh, Andrew, and sent a picture of their youth group playing the buzzword board game. <laughs> this is fantastic. We've, we've talked a lot about the, the home edition of Table Talk Radio, haven't we? And, he, and here it is. She said the questions were divided into six categories. A sheet of answers was provided. Sometimes best guess strategy works to the team advantage. The winner was the team that got to the end first and bought everyone around at the pub. <laughs> <laughs> the best part was when we got to the end and the winning team was reveling in their victory. We got to inform them that the points didn't matter. <laughs> she goes on to say, Nancy goes on to say, I must admit I never liked Bible trivia games before I was introduced to your talk show. I've attached some pictures of the fun last night. This is great. I wanna, We should write back to Nancy and get permission and put these pictures up on our website if we can. Uh, but nice work, Nancy. This is what we're after, you know, to... Uh, to, to um, to teach theology through playing games, and and not just for our listeners, but for their families and for the churches, we want to. The most important thing is that we learn the Lord's word, and however we can do that, uh, without compromising the truth of the scriptures. That's what we're after. So congratulations to the winner. Uh, send them our congratulations, and Nancy, thanks for the for the email. Yeah, we really appreciate that. The next one we have for you is Ron in Northfield, Minnesota. And I uh, said he just listened to the table scraps. That's right. We had this set uh, table scraps that you did with Stephen Parks. Two uh, of them. Yeah. And uh, this one he's particularly talking about is Sola Scriptura. Um, but he says it's very fascinating. Bravo. Keep up this kind of programming. It's very good stuff. Um, I just started on the one on Sola Fide. Looking forward to hearing that. I would love to hear a debate with Pastor Parks and one of these Catholic guys. I think that would be a good smackdown. <laughs> <laughs> I think he's right. <laughs> Um, he said, I recently traveled to Malaysia uh, and back from my home in Northfield, Minnesota. Northfield, took- by the way, is home of cows, colleges, and contentment. Really? That's what it says on the sign right outside Northfield. Cows, colleges, and contentment. When did you go to Northfield? I, I almost went to school at St. Olaf when I was a senior in high school. Me and my dad visited. But uh-huh. did I tell you the story? It was like uh, negative 10 degrees, and everyone was running around in shorts and uh, T-shirts talking about how the cold had snapped. And I had on everything I brought. I was freezing cold, and I said, I can't. How, how can you find a wife in a place like this? That's what I, so. <laughs> and that's why you got the education you did, because that's what was on <laughs> <That's right>. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I, I thought maybe you're going to Northfield on a Table Talk radio speaking tour or something like that. No, no. Kind of like Sarah yet. Palin has this book signing tour. Uh, you, yeah. could, you could do the Table Talk. You could sign people's, I don't know, CDs or radios computer 
Bring Table talk radio pregnant t-shirts. Bring, <laughs> bring your bring your computer mouse and have Pastor Wolfman sign it. Oh, anyway, uh, he said that uh, in his travel uh, to and from Malaysia, he took a number of Table Talk radio episodes along for the ride. Uh, he said, "Thanks for keeping me company on the long on the long ride while I was in Malaysia in Muslim territory, or as we say it on Table Talk radio." Muslim. Muslim, the proper pronunciation. Right. <laughs> I cranked out my my new droid phone in hopes the guy next to me might hear while I got ready in the morning before and head off to the office. Okay, that wasn't very brave. <laughs> but your shows are entertaining and well done. I really enjoy the praise song reviews that you have been doing. Um, you did Shine Jesus Shine and got me all misty-eyed because my sister-in-law played that solo with my guitar at my wife and I's wedding. Who knew there was a fourth person of the Trinity? <laughs> What's that? Because it says uh, flow, river, flow. Right, yeah. So it goes Father, yeah. Son, and then, then talks about a river. The river. <laughs> um, this is all more. E- this is all even more ironic because my sister-in-law's husband is an LCMS pastor and didn't mention that the song stinks theologically. Kind of a catchy tune, though, in a cheesy 70s sort of way. <laughs> yeah, we see now the, uh, the, the personal preferences of our listeners. <laughs> So thank you, Ron, listening uh, up in Northfield, Minnesota. Hey, Ron here mentions I might even become a radio clown at some point, allowing you both to get a good cup of coffee once or twice a year. This is one of these levels of support we have. You can sign up on our website to be a radio clown or uh, an iron listener and all this sort of bull rider. Costs you like 50 cents a month or something, right? <laughs> something like that. <laughs> so if anyone's interested. i got one more email. Do we have time for one more? We do. We have a couple this minutes. This is... This is also in response to this Table Scraps interview that we did with uh, Steve Parks, a pastor down the street. It is fantastic. If you guys haven't had a chance to go to our website at tabletalkradio.org and listen to the Table Scraps with uh, Pastor Parks, uh, it, it's worth it. Uh, uh, Teresa writes, uh, I love the interview. I'm a former Catholic, now Reformed Baptist, and I do some online apologetics with Catholics. So some of your information is very useful, especially the insight on why the Roman Catholic apologists attack Sola Scriptura. I have watched Scott, that's Scott Hahn, one of the foils in our interviews, develop his own doctrine of family over the years, and of course his theology on the Passover cup, which is totally unsupported by Scripture. As you probably know, there's a dispute on his ordination. I didn't know that. He says he, it was done by the pastor of a PCA where he served, but there's no official records, etc. Uh, and so a few more uh, comments about Scott Hahn. I'm saving it, your interview to listen to it again and take some notes. Thanks so much, uh, Terry. And so we appreciate that, Terry, uh, listening and uh, enjoying the show. And thank you for your emails and comments. That's right. Now, speaking of Table Scraps, I want to tell you all about uh, Table Scraps Live that we're going to be doing. Uh, this is on January 3rd, and it's going to be airing live to you through piratechristianradio.com. And it's going to be January the 3rd, which is a Sunday evening. We're going to be broadcasting from 8 to 9 Central Time. And so we're going to be talking with Dr. Charles Jackson of uh, Creation Truth Foundation, talking about creation and evolution. And Dr. Jackson has said that he's willing to answer, answer any and all questions on the subject of evolution or creation science. And so you can call in with your live questions and throw ha- have some of your college professors listen to Table Scraps Live uh, with Dr. Jackson on January the 3rd from 8 to 9 Central Time. Uh, after this break, we're going to be uh, talking with Vicar Brian Bucklew of Holy Cross Lutheran Church in Mobile, Alabama, and then uh, crunching some praise songs and talking about baptism. But more Table Talk Radio after this break. Don't go away. Thanks for those emails, and keep them coming. Keep them coming. Keep them coming. 
You're listening to Table Talk Radio. Serious theology. Seriously bad hosts. Every story has a beginning. Even the story of the universe. Some 13.7 billion years ago, a mysterious event thrust the universe into motion in a big bang. Wait, really? If the Bible says that God created everything in six literal days, and yet science can prove that this universe came into motion by a big bang, a slow change over long periods of time and random chance, doesn't science then disprove the Bible? If we can't trust Genesis 1, how can we trust any other part of the Bible that says Jesus died and rose again? But is there really scientific evidence for evolution? That's the topic of our discussion for the broadcast of Table Scraps Live. This is the first live broadcast of Table Scraps, and we're doing it with Dr. Charles Jackson of Creation Truth Foundation, and we're going to address your hard questions about evolution. What scientific evidence do you have that would discount the creation account? Call in and present it to Dr. Jackson of Creation Truth Foundation. That's Table Scraps Live, Sunday, January the 3rd, from 8 to 9 Central Time. And you can tune in to Table Scraps Live on PirateChristianRadio.com. Mostly hard. I have to celebrate you, baby. I have to praise you like I should. Welcome back to Table Talk Radio. We're doing the praise song cruncher for segments two and three of this show. And to help us with that is uh, our special guest, Vicar Brian Bucklew, who's a vicar at Holy Cross Lutheran Church in Mobile, Alabama. And he's written an article on baptism, which we'll be talking about later. Baptism works a forgiveness of sins. Brian, welcome to Table Talk Radio. Thank you. Glad to be here. All right, I think that's that's Brian with an I, by the way. <laughs> Brian with an I. Correct. <laughs> uh, I I think if if I'm not mistaken, <laughs> you have a little bit of uh, experience in your past with this uh, praise song stuff. Oh yes, I used to be a a worship slash praise leader um, in a number of churches, mostly non denominational assemblies of God, and, um, a whole. Big salad full. Now, if you, if you would tell us a little bit about, uh, I mean, going going in uh, to this and your your leading worship and stuff. I mean, we're not going to be so audacious to say that these people aren't sincere or anything like that. They obviously are, um, right. but maybe where are they misled? Well, um, I think for for these that are um, really big into the praise and worship movement, um, the way the way that you kind of focus things when you're a praise and worship leader is this idea of moving people um, from the outer courts into the Holy of Holies in the presence of God. Um, And that's done through the way you do the music. And so, you know, you would start off with kind of a fast, peppy song that gets kind of people moving and singing, um, you know, gets the icebreaker songs. And then you move into the more slower songs where you're supposed to be getting 
getting really deep in the presence of God. And, of course, this is very much tied and focused to an emotional kind of experience, a very subjective experience. That's the same model we use for our show. I, uh, <laughs> start out with something peppy. It's then just deep, that we don't deep. ever succeed, like the the praise <laughs> song. Now, uh, before we uh, crunch this first song, Brian, tell us uh, what is maybe the, the uh, biggest problem with that theology of worship. Well, it's it's um it's making almost a, a, a sacrament out of out of the music, the emotional experience of the music. Um, and, and an instituted kind of sacrament that God is not set up, um, and it's very su- it's very subjective. Um, and so, you know, you come to to Sunday morning worship one Sunday, and you may have the blues, and the music may not be affecting you as as it should. And so then, then you know, you feel far from God, and so everything is based on your feelings, um, not something objective and standing um, true outside of you, like baptism and the Lord's Supper and, and the truth of God's Word preached. And so, uh, you know, you go through what's called dry spells where you're, you feel far from God because, well, the music didn't pep you up that day. Um, and so it's very it's a very shaky kind of foundation um, to build a relationship with God on, this, this uh, sacrament of music. All right. Well, let's. How, Brian? Did you? Uh, how did you see through this? I mean, you're right in the middle of it. And how? What? Uh, what was the step out? Was it listening to the praise song cruncher on Table Talk Radio, or what? <laughs> no, I don't even know if you guys are around then. Uh, no, it was. It, what really led me out of it was the experience itself. Um, it's it's fruitless in that, you know, you keep going through these so-called dry spells where you feel you don't feel the presence of God and in in the. In, in the Musical worship's not affecting you, and so then you confess every sin you can think of, and you're still not on the mountaintop anymore, in the in the holy of holies with with God, and so then uh, you know it leads you eventually to ask, well, okay, there's either something wrong with what I'm being taught, or there's something wrong with me, and um, so it either leads you to despair, or it'll lead you to look for something else, and that something else for me was. Um, getting some serious doctrinal questions answered, like, you know, I was doubting my salvation uh, because I didn't feel the presence of God as I should. And so, uh, you know, once saved, always saved kind of questions. That's all these doctrinal questions started coming to my mind that they couldn't answer for me, except with more of this experiential kind of worship that was shaky in the first place. All right. Well, we have uh, a praise song to to crunch here, and this uh, praise song cruncher comes from Pastor Wolfman's article, "Criteria Discerning the Usefulness of Praise Songs," and it can be found on our website at tabletalkradio.org. We're going to go through this, but let's uh, play the first song here uh, for evaluation. This was submitted by request. It's "History Maker" by the band Delirious.
Uh, now, Brian, I'm not sure if you had time to grab the lyrics for this song, History Maker. I do. I got them in front of me. Okay, so do you see Jesus make an appearance anywhere in this song? No, not in the words. I mean, in the YouTube video you sent me, the little clips of pictures they show uh, have it, but not in the words of the song at all. Okay, so the first question is, is Jesus mentioned yes, no, and if yes, the name or concept? I think we can just say no on this one. Now I'm going to send the next question to Pastor Wolfmiller to answer, and it is the question of clarity. Is the song clear? Does it use sentences with subject, verb, and object, or sentence fragments? Uh, I'm going to start here. Yeah, it's kind of, it's slightly fragmented. There's a few sentences here and there. I think, though, there is some clarity when... When I'm reading the lyrics and I can get a sense of what they're talking about, I don't think when I was listening to the song I could, cause, but I have the lyrics here in front of me, and that is helpful. Uh, when people pray, the kings and king, kings and queens will shake. When people pray, dead will rise, the blind will be set free, and then they say, "Yeah, it's true. I'm living for you, so I'm going to be a history maker in the land." Which means, I think, I'm going to stand, I'm going to run into your arms, into your arms again, into your arms, into your arms again. I think what this means is that I'm going to believe that when I pray, cloudless skies will rain, kings and queens will shake, the dead will rise, and the blind will be set free, and that will change history. Um, so, I it's I don't know, it's kind of in the middle as far as clarity goes, repetition, etc., Sentence fragment. So I want to put it right in the middle at a five. Five. Okay. How about, how about that? I think we're going to talk more about that a little later. Uh, and then the next one is mysticism, subjectivity versus objectivity. This question asks, is a song about the things that, that God has done, uh, objective, or is it about my own emotions and experiences, subjective? Does the song repeat itself the same phrases over and over with hypnotic mantra? Uh, Brian, what do you think about this one? Mysticism, is it talking about God's actions or our actions? Oh, there's. I'd say most of this song is totally about our actions. Um, the first person singular is used quite a bit. I'm, I'm, I'm going to do this or that. Um, it does. I think it mentions. Well, it mentions prayer, uh, and then it mentions one line with with the fire of God and the truth at hand. We'll see miracles. So those may be the only two references that mention. Uh, God is some kind of help to do these things, but otherwise it's totally focused on our actions. Yeah, that's right. Okay, and then uh, the, the next question then, uh, law and gospel. Does the song proclaim the law in its sternness and the gospel in its sweetness? Is the, gospel, the gospel, by the way, is the promise of the forgiveness of sins won for us through Jesus' death on the cross. Are the law and gospel rightly divided and not mixed up? Is the law You should have said his crucifixion. Oh. I missed it. <laughs> I'm just reading your article. I'm, I'm going to deduct points <laughs> for missing that opportunity to get a buzzword there. Minus. Oh, yeah. We're playing buzzwords, too. I forgot. Okay. Um, is the law presented as something that we can do, or, and, or does it show us our sins? Is the gospel conditional, which is based on our actions and decisions and acceptance, etc.? Okay, so the question here, Brian, is yes, no, or I can't tell? Uh, That's a pretty easy no. I, there's nowhere in this psalm that really condemns us in our sinfulness or that promises us the forgiveness of sins in Jesus since he's not even mentioned. What then, What then? from what you can tell, is the song really about if it's doing neither of those? It seems to me, I, I think, um, it seems to me that it's, it's a song about 
an attempt of a song to be about prayer changing things, um, but it's really, it sounds more like a motivational uh, song for us to be motivated how we can change history, um, but not really clear on how that's going to happen. Um, Oh, very good. There is this sense that by believing in God and living for Him, we access His power to perform miracles and change the world. You see, so it's kind of this—it's—it's it's the charismatic overreaction to the materialism in the church. So most Christians are what uh, we might call practical atheists, as if there's nothing going on. This is trying to change that, but it does a pretty miserable job, I think. All right. Well, that's the end of segment number two for Table Talk Radio. Whoa. When we get back, we'll be. Uh, asking the last question, is there any explicit false teaching in the song? We're right back with Vicar Brian Buckley. It's a pietist theme song right here. Love It's time for Table Talk Extras with Pastor Brian Wolfmuller. Whenever I talk about theology, I often hear people say, well, that's just your opinion. And if that's true, if the things that I teach or the things that any Christian says are simply our opinions, then it would be better for us not to say anything at all. For there is no place for opinion in the Lord's Church. No place for our own reason or our own understanding. There is no place for our own traditions or our own thoughts. There is no place for man's word in the church. The church is to be filled with the words of the Lord, not human opinion. The words of God, the heavenly counsels, the words of the prophets and apostles inspired by the Holy Spirit. That's what rules and reigns in the church. If we come to each other with our own opinions, then no wonder people think we're arrogant when we say we're right because it's simply my opinion, which I assume is better than yours. But that's not how we're given to talk in the church. We rather talk about the Lord's Word and what it says. That's why we have texts like this from Joshua chapter 1. This book of the law shall not depart from your mouth, but you shall meditate on it day and night, that you may be careful to do all that is written in it. We meditate on the Lord's word day and night so that his word can be in our mouth, that his word is in our hearts and ringing in our ears because it's his word, his promises that give us life and salvation and the forgiveness of all of our sins. So let us be through with human tradition and human opinion and let us cling for our very lives to the truth of the Lord's words. Lord, keep us steadfast in your word. Amen. This has been a production of Table Talk Radio. For more information, visit tabletalkradio.org. Welcome back to Table Talk Radio, doing the Praise Song Cruncher. Uh, we're evaluating the Praise Song by request. History Maker by Delirious, and we're joined by uh, Vicar Brian Bucklew, Vicar of Holy Cross Lutheran Church in Mobile, Alabama. And we're to the last question of the Praise Song Cruncher. Is there any explicit false teaching 
And what I'm going to do here is send it to, to Vicar first, and then I'm send it to Theological Review with Pastor. <laughs> <laughs> so, Brian, do you see any uh, uh, explicit false teaching in this song? Well, you know, it depends on how you interpret it, because uh, what's well, true today that when people stand with the fire of God and truth at hand, we'll see miracles. I mean, what people is that talking about? How are they standing? You know, that's what kind of miracles are we going to see? I mean, who's who's it? Ta- you know, is it true today that when people pray, we'll see dead men rise? I don't know. I don't even know what kind of people you're talking about. Um, so that's it. It makes it hard to 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 say yay or nay on that. Yeah, good point, Pastor. Uh, yeah, I think that's right. I mean, the more, the less clear something is, the m- less teaching it has. Therefore, the more difficult it is to judge uh, if it's false tre- teaching. But here, I think, is the essential false teaching in this in this hymn. Here, uh, is it gives the impression that my believing in God is the reason why He answers my prayers, or even worse, my living for Him is somehow accessing his power to work miracles on the world in the world no 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 in fact the reason that we pray is because we know that we do not have strength so that our the the, the very fact that we pray is a confession of sin because we need the lord to come and to help us and to, to deliver us so this idea that uh that prayer that that, that faith and and uh, obedience somehow accesses God's power gets awfully close to the essential heresy of the word faith teachers uh, and that is uh, running through here if um, if you can understand that so yeah I think that's a a great critique by the vicar I'm gonna give him 200 points for that let me hey, jump hey, that down good. Here. Um, now let's I want to go back to what uh, Brian said just a second ago about the uh, you know not, the song not being very clear making it difficult to uh, evaluate its, its false teaching. And uh, let's go to number two here with the, the clarity question about sentences with subject, verb, and object. Uh, because Vicar Buckley made a, a good point earlier about, uh, or off air, he mentioned what about poetry? We have a lot of poetry that doesn't use necessarily a subject, verb, and object. They use what would seem to be sentence fragments. So, Pastor Wolfmiller, being the author of this critique, how would you respond to that uh, reaction? Yes, I always have to defend the cruncher from crunching. Um, <laughs> but, but so the the second one, the second criteria does this: does the song use sentences or sentence fragments? Uh, is there because because of this tendency for praise songs to use sentence fragments and just to put ideas out there rather than actually saying something? Uh, and, and the vicar pointed me to an article, uh, the poetic use of sentence fragments, which which points out that in the last 150 years it has become an element of poetry uh, to have fragments there. And in fact, I read through this article. This is eight pages of uh, some person's discussion here, and and it makes this point: fragments have been the significant features of the works of three groups of poets. The American Transcendentalists, the Imagists, and a range of postmoderns. It goes on to discuss the reason why uh, these kind of poets use sentence fragments, and there's really two reasons. One is to assert that the raw nature of human perception is fragmentary, and, uh, and that leads then to a doubt and confusion. Or, on the other side, for the transcendentalist to lead to a certain certainty. The transcendentalist poets, here's a quote, the transcendentalist's poet's goal is to transcend the sense of the individual things named and to achieve some sense of the divine. 
Now, looking through all of this whole thing, the reason why someone uses a sentence fragment rather than a sentence is because it gives you a, a sense of immediacy, almost direct access. In a way, what a sentence fragment does is it bypasses your cognition and it goes and, and it simply makes a mental impression. So if I say something like coffee grounds on the counter, that gives you an instant sort of image or an instant sort of thought and without having a verb or a, a, a predicate or anything like this. Um, so there is almost an official use of sentence fragments in, in poetry that's become acceptable in the past 150 years. Now, couldn't that then be used to service the gospel? Well, that's a great question. I mean, I want to do some more work on this because I think that the, the use of sentence fragments in praise songs, uh, when it's not just to make the words fit into the beat and to make a rhyme, uh, it's just kind of a sloppy use of language. But when it's when it's used f uh, for purpose, I think it is used for this reason to make a kind of direct impression. And I think it perhaps could be used, but this is very dangerous, because when you when you uh, take someone to speak to them not as a person. Uh, and to speak to their mind so that you're communicating with them, but rather want you want to skip that just to make some sort of impression, you really are k kind of assuming this mystical anthropology that the uh, that the most important thing in religion is these is the internal emotional state of someone rather than uh, than their understanding of something. So you're not actually when you when you use a sentence fragment, you're not making a confession. you're just offering an image. And maybe it could be done usefully with poetry, but I think it's very, very dangerous, and it fits into the, into the mystical, into the statement that we're really working with in the praise song cruncher is that the danger of praise songs is that they're mystical. They assume the chief religious acts occur inside of us rather than outside of us, and the use of sentence fragments kind of uh, confirms that. Okay, well, let's uh, listen to our next praise song. We're short on time, but we'll get to much as much as we can. And this next one is This Is My Desire, and I think it's performed by Hillsong. This is my Was that the right song, Brian? That was it. All right. So let's take this one at a time. Number one, Jesus. Is he mentioned yes or no? 
no. Okay, easy enough. <laughs> well, you sure you give him the easy question? You don't want get me talking about transcendental poetry? <laughs> Lord have mercy. All right, faster than number two. Clarity is a song clear to use subject, verb, and object. Hmm. I'm looking here. I finally got the lyrics. All I have within me, I give you. Pra- no, no. Aha. Fragments. Aha. The Lord, with all my heart, I worship you. That's a sentence. All I have within me. That's a fragment. I give you praise. That's a sentence. All that I adore is in you. That's a kind of a. I guess that's a sentence. Even when I live for you, every breath that I take, every moment I'm awake, Lord, have you. This is uh, half sentence fragment, half sentence. So again, we're going to put it right in the middle. How about that? Five for clarity. Five. You you tend to like that number today. Because I can't remember which is clear and which is unclear. <laughs> so just play it in the middle and you'll be safe either way. Okay. <laughs> Good enough. Oh, boy. All right. The next question is uh, mysticism. Is a song about the things that God has done or the thing about my own uh, emotions and experiences? So, uh, Vicar, what do you find on this one? Well, this is one of those songs that, you know, it would have been as the praise and worship leader that you would use during the holy of holy times, right? We're slowing down to really get in the thick of God's presence. That's the, that's the way, that's, uh, so we wouldn't have selected one of these songs for the opening of praise and worship time, right? Because um, it does have a, a hypnotic kind of uh, sound to it, even though it's not really repetitive of the same lyrics over and over. Um, but yeah, this song, it's, it's not talking objectively about what God's done. It's talking about our my desire to honor him um how i'm giving him all my heart um i'm giving him all my soul i'm living for him alone um with every breath i take and i think there's one there's one line where it's asking for god to do something um lord have your way in me uh, but that's that's about it okay with with about uh just under a minute here answer what is fundamentally wrong with that like what's what's the biggest theological problem well, the, the biggest problem is uh, it doesn't proclaim what God has done in Christ. And so uh, all, all it's proclaiming is how I, want, uh, I, how I want God, but it's not proclaiming to my soul, to my heart, uh, what God has done for me. And so um, that doesn't honor God. That does, I mean, what honors God chiefly is, is faith, um, receiving the promises of God. And without the proclamation of those promises, there's nothing received. All right, we'll be right back finishing up this praise song to uh, Pastor Wolf Miller's Cruncher. And then we're going to be talking about baptism with Vicar Bucklew. Right after this, don't go away. The score, by the way, Vicar 200, I've got nothing, and Evan minus 50. And a cross from a faith that died before Jesus came. You really are listening to Table Talk Radio. And the preacher spoke about the cleansing blood As I sank my toes into that coolest Texas mud It was down with the old man Up with the new Raised to walk in the ways of light and truth 
That's Randy Travis singing about baptism. That's going to be the topic of our conversation in just a bit with Vicar Brian Bucklew of Holy Cross Lutheran Church in Mobile, Alabama. He's written an article on baptism entitled Baptism Works of Forgiveness of Sins. And you you can read that on our website at tabletalkradio.org under the article section. I want to encourage you all to tune in to Table Scraps Live. This is something we're trying out, uh, the first uh, live edition of Table Talk Radio yet. And we're going to do this January 3rd. Uh, it's Sunday evening from uh, 8 Central Time to 9. And you can tune in. We're going to be talking with past, uh, excuse me, with Dr. Charles Jackson of Creation Truth Foundation. He's going to be answering all of your questions on creation and evolution live. So tune in on piratechristianradio.com uh, to Table Scraps Live. Now, we're in the middle of crunching this praise song, uh, Vicar, and we're to the question of law and our gospel. Does this song that we're crunching, um, This Is My Desire, or I think that, does it have a, two, two different names for it? I Give My Heart to You. Um, I think so, yeah. Does, does this uh, ta- properly divide law and gospel? Uh, I don't see any law or gospel in it, no. Um, see, this is no, I mean, the only law I can I, think I, of is that I don't do that. <laughs> I, I don't well, here's an God. amazing thing: is that is this this song is leaning at the command of our Lord Jesus to, uh, that we love the Lord our God with our heart and soul and mind and strength. But I think this is wonderful: is that in the song it talks about the heart and the soul and never mentions the mind and the strength. In the first part, Lord, with all my heart I worship you, and in, in the chorus, which is repeated, that, that, by the way, is a mystical thing, a line there, when it says, repeat chorus. <laughs> but it says in the chorus, I give you my heart, I give you my soul, and no mention of mind or of strength. Isn't that a, So that this is the, the very thing uh, a praise song is trying to do. It's trying to access that inner life. Uh, the the spiritual life and and stoke up the little divine spark that's somehow inside of us and spoke it up and uh, stoke it up and make it set it ablaze, and uh, and this is exactly what's happening in the song, marvelous. Okay, and then last but not least, Vicar, is there any explicit explicit false teaching in this song? Um, no, I mean I guess the false teaching is that I don't live for God alone. Um, not always my desire to honor him. Um, I, I don't. I mean, other than that, I don't see any. So, so question four has kind of already answered question five in a sense. It's not properly dividing law and gospel. Right. Well, yeah, that's false. I mean, there's. I mean, there's absolutely no mention of the crucifixion in any of these songs. That. Right. Oh, I caught it. I caught it. <laughs> Buzzword: crucifixion. All right. I'll give you. Uh, how many points can you get? Five hundred. Five hundred. Yeah. I'll give you 250. All right. Well, let's talk about uh, baptism then. Uh, Vicar, you wrote this article, um, Baptism Works of Forgiveness of Sins, and it's on our website at tabletalkradio.org. And uh, this, this kind of came to mind because you have a new little one in your household now. Right, right. And she definitely needs the forgiveness of sins, uh, as do I, getting up at 3 in the morning um, <laughs> with her. <laughs> so, well, uh, or my wife, I should say. Let's say uh, you, you you bump into someone talking about baptism, and I, and I know this happens because I remember one time we were in a restaurant in Fort Wayne, and this, this sort of happened. Started talking about uh, this this baptism conversation, and what do you do when someone says, "Look, this, this baby can't even understand what baptism is. Why on earth would you baptize him? He doesn't even know what's going on." Yeah, I mean, I would just tell them, um, 
I mean, you don't understand what baptism is. I mean, you know, in, none of us can comprehend how marvelous it is what God does in baptism. Uh, but it, it, it's nevertheless, it's just as true that you know that faith is not um, not how much we uh, understand and can explain something uh, rationally with our minds. It's it's a trust um, in what God has done. Um, you know, and and I always like to to point to the the compare. You know how Jesus talks in John three, uh, unless you're born of water and the Spirit, you cannot enter the kingdom of God. So baptism is a it's a birth too, a uh, new birth. And so with, when you're born, uh, you didn't know really what was going on. You can't explain everything that happened, but nevertheless, you were born. Um, it, it was done unto you. So now the title of your article, baptism works of forgiveness forgiveness of sins. Um, I think someone would come back then and say, look, uh, on, only Jesus forgives sins. You can't baptize someone to forgive their sins. Uh, what's the response for that? Yeah, you know, that's, I mean, that's quite a statement when we say baptism works forgiveness of sins, and it really pricks the heart of um, those that, you know, that don't believe such a statement. Because, I mean, it, yeah, that's a statement of what Christ does, but that's just it. We're saying that that this is what Christ does, and this is where he does it, in baptism. We would agree that um, Christ is, is um, the one that forgives sins, but that he does this in baptism. That um, He works through definitive, concrete means of word and water. Um, this is where we are clothed with Christ himself. When I was looking for these uh, bumper songs that we you know, come into the breaks with, and I found that silly uh, Randy Travis song, I also found this hymn about baptism. I want to read it to you. I want you to uh, let me know if this uh, properly captures what baptism is all about. It goes like this. I like to look for rainbows whenever there is rain and ponder on the beauty of the earth made clean again. And then the chorus goes, I want my life to be as clean as earth right after rain. I want to be the best I can and live with God again. I know that I am baptized, my wrongs are washed away, and I can be forgiven and improve myself each day. What do, what do you think of that? Hmm. I mean, it does talk about uh, being made clean. Um, in that sense, you know, baptism does make us clean, washing away our sins. Um, I didn't really get the part, what is he saying, the last part? Yeah. I, I, can... I, I know when... I know when I'm baptized, my wrongs are washed away, and I can be forgiven and improve myself each day. Yeah, um, I don't know. Something's just wrong with me about the last part. I can improve myself each day. Um, you know, baptism points us to the one who's done the improving for us, Christ for us. Um, so I don't know if I would like that last line. Well, I'm glad you said that because this is actually a Mormon hymn. So it's, oh. it's probably. <laughs> wow. <laughs> oh, baby. Yeah. It's always dangerous when forgiveness becomes uh, a possibility. I can be forgiven. You know, it's po- the, the, the door of forgiveness is opened up and now it's just me to walk through it by obedience or whatever. This is very dangerous. Yeah, I mean, that's the difference, isn't it, you know, about what people believe about baptism, um, those that don't see it as a sacrament, um, is that they see it as something they're doing for God, not what he's done for them. Um, and, and, you know, if you believe that way about baptism, then, of course, you know, you can't be a baby when you get baptized because you got to know what you're doing. 
uh, you got to understand and be able to to uh, make this decision for Jesus and getting baptized. Which might be why you see uh, some people who who have such an understanding of baptism to you know, have two or three baptisms. I mean, I I, I knew friends in college uh, that would get baptized, you know, at the beginning of every year to kind of get you know start anew. Uh, because if, if a baptism is then man's work uh, showing his commitment to God, then of course you need to be baptized over and over again because you're always going to falter. Your, your, your own demonstration isn't going to be good enough. But if it's the other way around, if, if baptism is, is what God has done for you, then there's, there's no repeats. It, it's, it's good the first time. Right. I think, you know, I, I, it would be interesting to see what the average, how many times the average American is baptized. Um, <laughs> you know, you would guess around maybe three because you got, you know, once to get, you know, if you're baptized in, in a sacramental church and then if you fall out of that, but then you get baptized, you know, at the age of accountability when you know right and wrong and then the third time so you can speak in tongues or something like this. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. Okay, uh, what, we're going to do a survey. All the Table Talk Radio listeners, how many times have you been baptized? <laughs> okay, Brian, with, with about a about a minute here, um, how would you respond to someone who talks about that that differences of baptism? Look, okay, there's a water baptism when you first enter, but then there's the the baptism of the Holy Spirit, which you you really you know start living for the Lord. Yeah. Um, well, first thing, I mean, I would respond. With this in my mind, this person's unsure. That's that they're unsure of of God's promises to them in their baptism, that their sins are forgiven and that they're buried in Christ and shall be raised with them to everlasting life. They're unsure about that, and so uh, you want to respond um, to them with with the gospel. Um, you, know, you know, they need to be told that no, they don't need to be get ba- get baptized again for some. Ability to speak in tongues that the Holy Spirit is given to them in baptism. Maybe point them to Acts two, uh, the the promise for you and your children about baptism, and you'll receive the Holy Spirit. Um, and then, you know, uh, probably point them to they they probably have a false understanding of what the Holy Spirit is. The the Holy Spirit being equated with with uh, oh, ten seconds here to speak in tongues or some emotion. So. All right. Vicar, thank you so much for being on the program today. Thank you. And thank you all for listening to this edition of Table Talk Radio. Where the points are like a policeman to an antinomian. I mean, absolutely nothing. That doesn't count. (laughs) (laughs) You've been listening to Table Talk Radio. The views expressed on this show are that of the hosts and do not reflect the views or opinions of this station. We would like to answer your questions concerning theology, the scriptures, or anything else. Send your questions to question at tabletalkradio.org or leave us a voicemail message, 866-851-5523. Be sure to check out our website, tabletalkradio.org. Thanks for listening, and tune in again next time to Table Talk Radio.